Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So Jenny, so this is my Auntie Jenny. She doesn't like me calling her Auntie. Years ago she told me, don't call me Auntie anymore. But uh, I like to make fun of that a bit. And uh, so it's, it's great to have you come and speak. And it's great to have you part of this. They've kind of followed me around church a little bit. Um, so I managed to get them to come to church some years ago. And then when we planted Chesterfield, they came with me to Chesterfield. And now they've come here. So they've kind of followed me around. So it's great to have you. So let's just uh, pray for Jenny, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just want to pray now for your hand to be on Jenny as she comes and speaks your word to her. I pray you help us to hear what you've got to say to us today. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to us. Help us to pray through Jenny. So I just pray you'll be with her now as she shares with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. It became difficult when Phil's children and then his grandchildren um, made a comment that I was great Auntie Jen, and then I became great, great Auntie Jen. So I said, you can stop all that, I'll just be fantastic. (laughs) Um, I want to speak about shoes. I love shoes. Sorry, gents, but I love shoes. I hate shopping, but I love shoes. And I just want to show you a couple of mine. Because shoes... Yep. Shoes have all sorts of purposes, don't they? These are my best shoes. My posh shoes. My standing up shoes. Because I can't go very far in them because they're a bit too high. But anyway, they look good on a wedding photograph. But these are very practical. I can go anywhere in these. They're workaholic shoes. But they aren't very attractive, are they? They're a bit boring. But these... (laughs) These are my favourites. My sparkly jellies. And uh, you can wear them with anything. They don't clash. You can go anywhere in them. I've paddled in these. And I've done all sorts in these. I love them. But I know, I have to admit... I'm getting a little bit old for these. So anybody wants uh, a pair of sparklies, come and see me, this size six. But that's shoes. They have a purpose. And we're very fortunate that we can have lots of them. But I want to talk about three, three people and shoes. And I want to start with uh, Moses in Acts. Moses was living in the desert, in the wilderness. Uh, he'd run away from Egypt and he'd, uh, he'd been brought up in Pharaoh's courts, but he knew that he wasn't an Egyptian. He knew that he was one of the, the company of slaves that were there, even though he wasn't a slave. And he'd gone along one day, and he'd seen one of the Egyptians beating one of the Israelites, and he'd intervened, and he'd killed the Egyptian. And then a few days later, he'd seen two Israelites fighting and he'd separated them. And one of them said, oh, are you going to kill us like you did the other man? 
and he knew his cover was blown. He knew he'd had it, and he ran, and he left everything that he knew, and he went into the desert. And uh, he, he sensible guy. He married the, the headman's daughter, and uh, there he was. His father-in-law was the chief man. He was in charge of the sheep. So he'd done well. But one day when he was out with the sheep, you have to be pretty vigilant with sheep because there's all sorts wanting a quick meal, aren't there? And he saw a burning bush. Now, that wasn't a total rarity, but this one was strange because it was still there. Even though it was burning, it was still there. It wasn't being consumed. And, and so he went up to it. And God spoke to him out of this bush, called him by name and said, Moses, take off your shoes because the ground where you're standing is holy ground. We've sung a lot about that this morning, holy ground, holy place. Take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. It was a bit of wilderness. It wasn't really holy ground, was it? What was holy? And I believe very much that it was holy because the the presence of God was there. And you know, this is a holy place. When we leave it, it's not the building that's holy. It's you and I. Because we've been made holy in God. We're his church. We're the lively stones that are honouring to God. Lively stones that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're what's holy. And God often says to us to take off your shoes. It's holy ground. And I'm sure this morning it could have been exactly the same. As I stood over there I felt, take off your shoes. It's holy ground. Because the presence of God is here. And that makes it holy. Last year Phil spoke about... um, uh, open doors and open heavens and the, the words of encouragement that came around it one of them particularly said take off your shoes this is holy ground and, it, and, it, and it's really struck with me this is holy ground and I think well why do we need to take off our shoes what is it that causes it to be holy ground in that situation, God was calling us into a new, new experience. In this situation, God was calling Moses to go and deliver his people from Israel. And, uh, you know, we, like Moses, find all the excuses. As we go down through the scriptures, it, we find that there is a scripture that says, Lord, can't you send someone else? I think if I asked you to put your hands up, we've all said that, haven't we? Can you send someone out? I can't do that. I couldn't possibly. Oh, I'm too shy. I'm too... No. God is calling us to take off our shoes. Not necessarily, actually, but within our hearts to take off our shoes and make that step forward because this is holy ground. This is the call I'm putting on your life. What holds us back? Various things, we'll say. And I'm sure this pandemic causes us to be afraid and, and, and retreat. It's easier to hide indoors than to, to do anything else. But God is calling us as a church not to hide away. Well, you know, we have to obey the rules. But to speak where we can. To show God's love to who we can. 
to take off our shoes because we've been called as a church to a mission. You know, this, the church has done things that perhaps they wouldn't have done quite so quickly. We're in Bakewell now, and we're, we're doing all of this. We've been pushed into it by the Holy Spirit because God's calling us to be a church of lively stones that are called to fill God's, uh, God's calling. But, you know, it is uncomfortable. I'm sure that if you ask Sarah, has all this been comfortable and nice? What does she say? She's laughing away there. It's been horrible at times. It's hard work. It's uncomfortable. I've seen the elders almost tearing their hairs out because this won't work or that won't work or something's a problem. It's not comfortable. God doesn't say it's going to be very, very easy and we just just breeze along. No. He calls us to take off our shoes and make that step forward in him and go on and complete the task that he will fit together. I want us to look at another man. In, in Luke chapter 15, we find the very familiar story of the prodigal son. And he, as you know, he asked for his inheritance and he scuttled off and, and had a riotous life and squandered it all and found himself sat starving with the pigs, thinking to himself, I need to go home and ask my father if I can be a servant because they're far better looked after than I am. And so that's what he did, and he rehearsed his speech. And as he approached his father and he tried to speak, his father wasn't interested. His arms were round him and he hugged him because this was his son that was lost and was found again. And his father said, put on him the best robe, a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Servants didn't always wear shoes, but he wanted shoes on his feet. Shoes in that situation, represented belonging. He was a son, and he belonged. He'd come home. He was a son, and he belonged. Shoes were a symbol of belonging. Let's just stop for a moment. Have you got, I'll ask this silly question, have you got God-given shoes on you this morning? In other words, do you belong? Do you know Jesus as Savior and Lord? It's already been said. Do you know God as Father? Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Because you can right now. You know, time, like we've already had said to us, time can pass us by. And it's now we need to know that I am a son, I am a daughter of God. He's our comfort, he's our strength. But we need that deep assurance in our hearts. In Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And let me say that right. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That can be you this morning. If you don't know, God is your saviour. Take that step. Confess with your mouth. Ask him into your heart and life. Make him Lord. 
Say this prayer along with me. Father, I confess my sin and I ask you to come into my life as Lord and Saviour. You are now part of God's family if you prayed that from your heart. You belong. Go and tell someone what you've just done. Join a Bible-based church. If you're local, come and join us. Search out an Alpha course. Contact the office here at Lime Tree. Take that step. Don't put it off. Tomorrow won't do. Today is the day. Take that step and begin to grow in your faith. There's another man I want us to look at briefly. John the Baptist. A real strange character. And there he is out in the desert preaching repentance to Israel. Israel who had a tendency to forget that they were God's special people. And they went off and they worshipped other gods. They went off and they did other things. They forgot that they were God's chosen special people. And he called them specifically. And he created them uh, uh, as a, a nation. They for, keep forgetting From birth, John was called to preach repentance and to prepare the way for the coming Christ. The leaders of the day came out into the wilderness and said, Who are you? We have to remember that Israel was always looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the wrong things because they were looking for someone who would come and, and rescue them from the Roman Empire. But there in, in the prophets was the word that there was a, a Messiah. We, we sing it, we, we see it on Christmas cards. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Emmanuel. Those are the things that we know, but we forget. And John the Baptist was preaching repentance. And he was also saying Prepare the way for the coming Christ. The leaders, as I've said, asked him, who are you? And his answer was, I am a voice calling the people to repent. And they said to him, are you the Christ? And he said, no, no, he said, but one comes whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. One comes, John looked forward John knew the prophetic words of the Old Testament. He knew all about it. John looked forward, like many others, to the coming Christ. But he knew that he was, was not worthy. He was not worthy to untie his shoes, he says. John said he was unworthy. But you know, today, we are blessed because we look back. We look back at that event and, and we have made, been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. No, there's not an ounce of pride in that when we say, I'm worthy. We're worthy because he loves us and he cleanses us with his precious blood. And uh, John was preaching about a coming king, a coming savior, a Christ. Do you know, today we still preach that same thing, only different in the fact that we preach about Jesus who has come, but is coming again. 
That call, that calling to preach has become a romance for you and I because we've found a saviour who loves us. The more we love him, then the more we want to speak of him. Nicky Gumbel, quote, is said, speak of Jesus everywhere and to everyone and sometimes use words. That's because what is within us comes out of our lives, our actions, our deeds, what we do, what we say. We live Jesus every day. And that's how we're going to reach people in these difficult situations. John spoke of one to come, and we speak of one to come. Jesus is coming back. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus was resurrected and was with the disciples, it said, after this, he was taken up before their very eyes. As they were looking, two men in white stood beside them, saying, Men of Galilee, why stand looking? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Revelation also speaks about, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. That's our promise. um, Moses and Abraham and others looked forward to the hope of a coming Messiah. We've experienced that at Calvary. We've experienced that lovely knowledge of sins forgiven. But we can still look forward one day to a Christ returning. We think about all the situations that we're in. And we think, gosh, is this the beginnings of those things? I'm not going to go there, but there you go. Too iffy. Colossians 2 says, Having cancelled the code against us, that's our sin, he nailed it to the cross. And this is where I could get excited. Because when he died, our sin was cancelled because he took it on himself. And he died in our place and he bore our sin but when he died our sin was cancelled you know the scriptures show us that satan came to claim his prize thinking he'd won thinking the the battle was over and he was he'd won but you know jesus was sinless and the scripture goes on to say that in hell jesus defeated Satan and took the keys of death and hell. The the actual scripture says he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's what our salvation is about. That's what happened at the cross. It wasn't just a nice pretty sight. It was victory. Victory was won at the cross. Satan was defeated. Hell was conquered. Our sins were forgiven. And Jesus took those keys. So he took the authority of sin and death from Satan. And yes, this body will die. But this me, my spirit will live forever, eternally with Jesus because he conquered sin and death. And I'm so excited about that because it's glorious. My sin 
is no longer going to commit me to hell because Jesus bore it for me. He went in my place, but because he was spotless, because he was sinless, he rose again. And there's a lovely little phrase that goes on and says that when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. And that's a strange little phrase. But you know, I spoke about those that were looking forward to the coming Messiah. They didn't know salvation like we do. They look forward. And it says of Abraham, he believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. And there they, they rested. The Bible calls it sleep, rest in Hades, resting, waiting for this day. And Jesus went in and he defeated the powers of hell. And he took hold of all these guys that have been resting in faith, believing, and victoriously went and triumphed. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the sight? Can you imagine the scene? The graves opened up and, and, and people were seeing it, the scriptures say, walking about because they've been released from the powers of sin and darkness. And so, you know, this dies, as I've already said, but I don't. I live on forever and you, can, you do too if you know the Lord Jesus. In Ephesians it quotes the Psalms that he led them, the captive in his train. What a glorious sight. The cross is not only a picture of a promise made. It's a picture of a promise kept. That's our salvation. That's where we stand. That's the pivotal point that our, at the cross, our sin was dealt with, forgiven, and we are gloriously set free. But what about us today, as I close, before I get in trouble? Chapter 6 of Ephesians turns to us, and it speaks about us putting on the full armor of God. It says about us we're having the, the helmet of salvation. It speaks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and with your feet shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's where we are. We stand. We stand ready. We stand resisting. We no longer have to go and fight because the battle has been won. But the scriptures tell us to stand, stand on the word of God, stand on the rock that is Christ Jesus. He's won the battle and we are to stand, stand ready for any onslaughts of the evil one. Yes, he'll come. He'll come and attack us. The fiery darts of the evil one, the lies, the whispers, the, the attacks that we, we experience so often. We stand and we stand ready, fully dressed, with our feet shod. We are resisting. The Bible says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. We don't have to be afraid because he's lost. He's a lion that roars, but a lion that has no teeth because Jesus is the victor and has won the battle. Let me say to you this, eve this morning, what's on your feet? What's on your feet? Have you got those shoes of salvation? 
Have you got that readiness to go out and to share your love for the Lord Jesus? Are you clothed in your righteousness that only God can give you? We are so equipped to fight the fight. We are so equipped to rejoice in every situation. And again, the scripture says, rejoice. Don't fear what's in front of us. Rejoice in it because you're not alone. He goes before you. It says that he is in front of you and he is our rear guard and he's there around us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So whatever comes our way, we are clothed and we are ready. Wasn't that good? God bless you, encourage you, strengthen you, challenge you, even. It's so good. Let's pray together, shall we? Shall we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for such a salvation as ours. Lord, we thank you that, Jesus, you went to the cross and you died for us. And you made a way back for us to the Father. We couldn't have done it on our own. We have nothing of our sin to bring to this. You've done it for us, Lord. And we want to thank you for salvation. We want to thank you, Lord, that it's for those of us that have responded to your good news, your gospel, your truth. We thank you that we are saved, Lord. But we thank you that it is good news to anyone who will hear it. Lord, we thank you for the good news of the gospel that sets men free. Lord, and I pray for anyone listening in today, Lord, if they do not yet know you, if they've not yet given their life to you, Jesus, I pray, would you, in your goodness and your kindness, draw them to yourself? Would you use your word that Jenny's brought to us this morning and speak it into their hearts again and again? Lord, I pray some of those words will just ring around their minds and their hearts. Lord, I pray you'll show them your love and win them. God, we pray. So we thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for being here. Thank you for your presence with us, Lord. And I pray, I just want to pray for every family represented uh, tuning in, in the room here in uh, Lime Tree, in the rooms here in Bakewell. I want to pray now, God, would you give them your strength to sustain them these next few weeks, Lord, as things are difficult, as things change yet again, and we're in a shifting world that changes so quickly. Lord, I pray, would you strengthen us? Would you help us? Would you be near to us and encourage us and help us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus? to keep drawing near to you and finding our strength in you. God, I pray, Lord, every family would be blessed. Every family would just know your presence. Every family would know your provision during these next few weeks. God, we pray, be near to us, be with your people, be with your church during this time, I pray for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.